You're listening to Making a Living Show. I'm Roby Levy. Hi, I'm June, and I make a lot of things for a living. Originally from Seoul, Korea, June Lee is an artist based in Vancouver, B.C. After battling addiction, he immersed himself in his art and emerged a prolific creator of large-scale paintings and hand-cut collages. He's gone on to exhibit across the globe and been featured in notable art publications like Collage Expo, Juxtapose, and Creative Boom. Here's my chat with June Lee. Who are you and what do you make for a living? Um, my name is June Lee, and uh, I make a variety of things. I like to explore paintings, so large-scale abstract work, um, hand-cut collages. I started doing 2D wood sculpture, and then I'll be diving into a textile soon. And today I just started doing relief hand printmaking, which is really fun. How in the world did you get into doing all of these different types of disciplines? Like what, what started you off? What did you start with? Uh, I started off with the hand cut collages back in 2017. And then it just all snowballed from there. Um, it was actually a roller coaster. I had ups and downs. And then the discipline of experimentation sort of took over. So I started diving into other mediums when the first medium got boring or it wasn't challenging enough. So what's a hand-cut collage then? Like, I mean, to me, this, I'm assuming you're cutting something by hand, but what, what does it actually entail? Yeah, it's grabbing any sort of uh, magazine, illustrations, newspapers, any paper quality that you can get your hands on and cutting it to shape uh, from abstract forms all the way to representational symbolism, figuratives, and combining them into whatever composition that you can form. Who introduced you to that? Is this something you've seen before or did someone actually teach you how to do this? Uh, yeah. So back in 2017, it was actually trending hand-cut collages on Instagram. And that's where I saw a couple of them popping up. And uh, I was like, huh, maybe I should get into this. There's actually the time I was pretty heavily fueled by alcoholism and, and drugs. So I wanted to turn away from that and try to see if I can dive into the arts more. Were you involved in the arts before this, or was this something new that you discovered as a way to get away from drugs and alcohol? I was into photography for about 10 years, but I, I didn't really take it seriously until the last three years. And with photography, it was a hard time realizing what that medium, the purpose of that medium for me was, because everyone has a camera nowadays and you could shoot anything within a second. It's all digital reproductions. I tried to dive into 35 mils to medium format and large format, the darkroom printing. But recently, over the years, realized that I, I use photography as a tool rather than a medium. So it's more whatever concept I have in my head, I try to think of which medium would look best and be more palatable to the audience members. Yeah. You weren't a photographer. You were using photography for some larger idea. Yeah. And so that's what led you to what uh, start experimenting then as well with other, other expressions, other mediums. Right. Yeah. So, so I saw hand-cut collages, for example, uh, Nat Geo magazines. I still have them actually on the side. Um, I found them on Craigslist for free, about 500 of them. <laughs> I just stacked them up. And the thing about old Nat Geo magazines is that the paper quality is better. <laughs> The photography, the film stock they used back then is called Kodachrome. So the color rendition is, is just gorgeous. And that's how what you see on my feed is it's this sort of vintage, nostalgic 
warm tone colors. And so I just cut from that and uh, created my own surreal landscapes. And See, it's funny that uh, you mentioned Nat Ge- old Nat Geos. I grew up reading all of those. Right. Because they were, there was just stacks and stacks of them in my grandmother's basement. Yeah. And I used to love going down there and it was just a treasure trove. And for years, I wanted to be a Nat Geo photographer. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I realized I was talentless. But I also didn't want to go into the, you know, the dark room and deal with all the chemicals. I always found yeah. that just it, the smell would always put me off. Mm-hmm. But I always loved the end result. I always loved these gorgeous, beautiful photos and stuff. And so, but for me, I was always looking at them. They were always telling a story. Right. And for me, I actually always got into wanting to read the article and know more about that story. I never dawned on me to actually deconstruct them and try to use them in a different capacity. How did you develop your skills? I mean, you, you, mm. you said you, you know, you always were into photo and obviously we've all cut up a magazine in nursery school, but yeah. you've taken it, obviously it, it's a different thing to start using it as building blocks and, and to try and put something else together. How did you kind of develop this idea and this skill? I, I really have to hand it to the technique of hand cut collaging. Really. Uh, it really puts you into this mode of physically noticing what color, shape, line, form, texture, values work to, with each other or against each other what complements, uh, what contrast, and so that it, it teaches you physically how to make a good-looking piece. So I started off doing that, although back then I would have to say that my artistic sensibility didn't really mature until recently because I started diving obsessively into art history from way back to like the Roman and Greek and until now. So now I'm more into the abstract form, the internal organization and rather than the external field of uh, imitative quality that we try to create. I do appreciate like representational works too. Just um, my heart lies in the abstract forms. Sure. Well, I've noticed you, you, you've certainly taken a left turn on your Instagram feed in terms of what, you know, what I'm seeing there, because we're, we're seeing, I mean, for lack of a better term and folks, you're going to have to actually go there and take a look. Um, you know, it, it's effectively, it, it's colorful blobs. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I mean, my best way to describe yeah. <laughs> it to an audio audience, they're beautiful and they're arranged and yet not arranged They're yeah. They evoke certain things and certain images and certain thoughts in your mind. And yet they aren't those things. Yeah. At what point did you kind of veer left and, and start getting really into that? Was that because you've, you've gone back and you've, you've educated yourself more on, on art history and you're finding different ways of expressing things that you were doing with the hand-cut collage initially? Uh, yeah, that, that has something to do with it. Um, I also am obsessed with circles. So way, way back then, I would always have circles representing suns, moons, whatever it is, to either work with the composition or not. And now I realize that maybe I should just stick with circles and stacking on top of each other to create this sort of balancing scale, like a teetering composition that looks like it's about to fall. So it creates a sort of action. And that just sprung up a whole variety of series, really. So I started doing sort of representation of animals, fruits and vegetables, and now, currently, yeah, I'm on uh, everyday commodities, brands like Gucci and Balenciaga's. Uh, so I'm trying to, instead of stacking them vertically or horizontally, I'm trying to stack them into a blob to make form of what that piece is supposed to represent for me. And where are you finding inspiration? <laughs> <laughs> you seem to be coming at it from at your art from a lot of different perspectives, a lot of different things in life. So mm-hmm. what makes you tick? Uh, I guess just living and 
consuming. Consuming has turned me into a person that wants to produce from consumption. So currently right now, for the past year, I've just been producing. Um, for the past 26 years, I've generally been consuming a lot. So I'm trying to f- remember back what I used to like and what kind of spoke to me. I was like, oh, I really like this. So now I'm trying to produce that into my own uh, work. So it sounds like inspiration is not, is not a problem. In other words, you, yeah. you seem to find it almost everywhere, including your own past. And do you ever run into a situation where you, you're uncertain what to make or you're oh, yeah, definitely. uncertain why you're making it? <laughs> I've had years. Definitely. I think it was 2018, 19. I couldn't produce one thing. And that was really disheartening to realize because I started out making three to five pieces a day and I would just get into that mode and like get into the groove and keep on doing that. And then I just suddenly lost it all and I didn't know where to look for or what to look out for. So I was just in this lull. And now that I have this strong foundation of history, of the past mistakes and the past successes. And I combine the two and realize that 21st century art is essentially a hodgepodge of 15th century concepts. That's already been, everything has been done before conceptually. So if you can make an artwork or music or whatever that you're making, even food, and just sort of veer off to one side and make it your own, then that can birth a new piece, which is a beautiful thing. You hear time and again that there are no new ideas, but basically you, what you want to do is borrow. Yeah. You want to imitate and yeah. you want to innovate ultimately. So exactly. the same, but different. Yeah. And that's what all the great artists have done or say they've done. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's always like past masters that um, have died and then someone new births their own idea of that concept. And everyone goes like, oh, that's a rendition or a derivative of this, which is fine as long as they're, putting in their own spice into it. Do you think that's because art in general, no matter what type of art you're, you're exploring, ultimately you're exploring the human condition. I mean, there are certain universal truths of love and hate and mm-hmm. desire. And, and is, is, is that why we keep circling these similar themes? Is that why we can always find something new in something old? Yeah, I definitely think that is the case, especially because art way, way back when it started out, it was purely to represent God and religion to represent this immortality as a mortal form. And then the Renaissance period came in and it took over with the self-expressionists. And after that, it just blew up to this whole world of expressions. And uh, even pre-World War II, but after World War II, more abstract forms to begin, uh, began to develop. So I wonder, because now that we're in the age of technology that just keeps on growing quicker and quicker. I wonder if technology would stray away from expression and more technical concepts or combining one or the other. Definitely. There, there is an artist out there that uses, um, I mean, there's several, but the, the one that I saw was uh, the used AI to create waves on a 2D plane that has a 3D effect. And it's amazing. It's, it's a digital work. Um, I think it's projected, but it's this really weird cascading of waves, just colors everywhere. And it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. So I wonder if technology would help us 
break form from this cycle of recycling, really. You get you get a lot of different opinions on whether or not something qualifies as art or whether or not something is too uh, technological. Like you made the yeah. the bot. Yeah. Did you make the art? Yeah. You know, I, I think that that debate is going to rage as long as you know <laughs> analog versus digital in music, which seems to still be going. Right. Um, ultimately, what are you what are you hoping to achieve? What are you hoping to get across with your work? Mm. I want to prove and solidify that at least what I think the true definition of art is the experimentation of expression, whatever that may mean. Um, as ambiguous as that sounds, I want people to know that whatever you're making and producing, as long as you place expression within it and you fully dive in and experiment, that is a form of art. That doesn't mean that it just has to be creative and it has to be beautiful or ugly. It can be mathematical. Um, it could be a scientific research that I sometimes see it as art and it's beautiful how they think of it like that. Uh, so I think I'm just set out to prove to everyone that art is everything that is that we are producing. So what, what actually made you decide that you were going to pursue art as a, as, as a full-time profession, as something that you were going to do come hell or high water? Ultimately? <laughs> um, I think it was just, it was just meant to happen. I, I didn't go to art school either. So the thing with studying back in the day too, is that I, for the life of me, can't remember an algorithm or a formula for math or what a certain body part is called, or even, even, even in politics or economy, it just right over my head. But when it came to the arts, it just stuck in the back of my head and I could memorize it uh, easier in it. I guess my passion lies within it. So my whole self just turned to the arts and created this whole identity. So I really have to thank the craft. And how bad math and science are, basically, <laughs> or how bad you are. Yeah. <laughs> I really want to be too. I really want to know math and because I, I, I like to get philosophical, like quantum theories and string theory and whatnot, but I could only theorize and that's it. We'll get you a calculator. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be great. Let's shift gears for a second. I want to know a little bit about how you're running your business because mm -hmm. you're, I, you know, I see you online all the time. You're, you're, you've got a, a large following on Instagram. You've been covered in numerous publications. How, how did this come to be? Do you, do you have a team? Do you have a group of folks you're working with, management or something like that? Uh, no, I'm just a one man person running it. Uh, yeah, I, it's really about the discipline. So in various forms, a discipline can fall into. Um, for example, I have to make at least three pieces a day um, or more if I really want to push myself. But if not, if I'm lazy, just three a day. Um, and that's artistic discipline. For business, I wake up around 5 a.m. And I'm unfortunately on Instagram and I have to do some work on Instagram and have to keep with the trend and see what everyone else is up to just so that I'm not out of the loop. Tell me what you mean there. You mean, in other words, you're, you're checking hashtags, you're checking what, what, everything. what everyone's yapping about? Yeah, everything. Just, I, is I, Instagram your main platform? Like that is the place for you to be? Yeah, that's the only platform. I do go on Reddit a lot, but that's just for memes. <laughs> 
so yeah, on Instagram, it's just everything from hashtags to accounts, um, large following accounts, small following accounts. It doesn't matter to me as long as I'm on the explore page and I'm going down the rabbit hole where I want to go down. And so that also has me communicating and, and, and taking part of the Instagram community as much as my Instagram feed looks like I'm not participating because I don't follow anyone, <laughs> which is ironic because my whole purpose was so that I don't go on Instagram at all so that I don't get bogged down by going scrolling through the feed all the time. But here I am. <laughs> so how are you starting? You're basically starting throwing in hashtags. You're just looking around and, and, and seeing what catches your eye. And, and I think that's how you found me. Yeah, exactly. I think yeah. one day you just liked it. I looked yeah. at your stuff. I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to get in touch with this guy. And that's, that's how we wound up talking to each other here. Yeah. So, so yeah, so you just, you just let yourself go down the rabbit hole for a little while, participate, be involved. And, and yet you, you put a little bit of a cap on it in that you're not following a thousand people. And, <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. So are you, are you literally like turning it off at a certain point so you can get to your, to your output for the day? Oh yeah. Uh, it's, it's usually because I wake up so early, it's usually when I fall back asleep. That's when I know my cap is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but if I'm like still awake somehow, then I'm usually have those like Instagram eyes where it's half awake. I'm like, all right, maybe I should not do this and do something else. <laughs> now, you, you're, you're, you say you're, you, you put uh, a goal in front of yourself that you need to put out at least three pieces. How are you put? That's a lot of output. I mean, a lot of artists you know, we'll take three months to, to make a small painting. Right. So you've arranged something in, su in such a way, like how you're making these pieces mm. means that they actually can be generated that quickly. Yeah, it really depends on the medium. For example, I I've, was exploring with large-scale abstract work, uh, ranging from four by four feet all the way to eight by five feet. And I was hand-building everything and hand-stretching them, which does take about roughly two to three days because you need to gesso and sand and that takes drying time and such. So uh, with that medium, I can't do three a day unless I have already built five canvases and I'm just going at it, painting all five. So in that case, I would have to, uh, what was my, I think it was two a week for the oil paintings. Uh, however, the collage pieces, they are pretty quick. I can work through them pretty quick. So generally I could do possibly five in half a day. So if I'm, not, if I'm really concentrated on in a focus and I'm, I just have music in the background instead of watching uh, Naruto or something, <laughs> then I could, I could bang them out pretty quickly, especially when I have a concept. And then if that gets too boring, then I turn to say relief hand printing, which I could produce maybe four for the rest half of the day. So I choose the medium that is generally quick for me and where I can produce quicker. Um, and then once I have a bank of all these artworks to send out, then I would work on something bigger, a uh, bigger project like 2D wood sculptures that uh, people haven't seen yet because it, that's just taking way too much time um, and resonating takes a long time too. So you're telling me that you're making all of these pieces, but where are they going? So... For the conceptual series that I make, uh, for example, the hand-cut hand collage series, uh, they go to several publications. Generally, when it goes to the magazines, some of them do pay you, some of them just want to give you exposure, uh, which is okay. Uh, but I make the square frames for an exact purpose. 
And that purpose is so that I can sell them as digital or vinyl exclusive rights to musicians who want to use them as album art cover. So covering all the grounds as much as I can so I can have at least a passive income flowing in. Also, the works that I do produce get sent to agencies in China and Australia who do sell my work. So there's another mode of passive income. Are they selling it in gallery or, I mean, how are they? Yeah, they, they sell it through their online sites. Um, I think one has a gallery and it's internationally shipped. So anyone around the world can buy them. And yeah, so I, I'm just really trying to expand the variety of doors that I can pop into. So how did you um, find all of these different avenues? How did you develop them as viable ways to monetize your art? That, that's one tricky thing that I had to learn uh, pretty quick. Because when, say, like people that are starting to make whatever they want to make because they love the craft, they have to realize that even though everyone is trying to stay in the authentic self, you also need to sacrifice a little bit of that. And especially if you want to make it as a full-time artist and have to also abide by the business concept. So is that work going to be palatable for the general audience? And if so, how many options and roads can it go down so you can make as much as you can from that piece? Which is, I mean, all in all, a very capitalistic mindset. But if you're trying to survive as you know, a creative, then uh, you definitely have to think that way. So I had to learn that uh, certain aspect ratios work for prints more than album art covers. Um, however, uh, for me at least, that was a sacrifice I had to make. So I don't make any 8x10s anymore. I just go straight for the squares for several reasons. Instagram is a square-friendly uh, platform. Album art, prints look good, square format too. Also uh, going screen printing. Um, so there's like digital reproductions that I do, but also I'm also doing uh, traditional printmaking. So they're not reproductions of it. I'm actually making the colors on uh, traditional paper, which do sell at a higher price point. So knowing and studying all these different mediums and knowing the price range of all these, and they really help me have a better sensibility of how I'm going to go about it and how to sell. Tell me about how you market yourself. You say you spend a lot of time on Instagram. That's your only mm -hmm. social platform. Um, mm -hmm. And you're very involved there. How, how are you getting the word out about yourself? How are people finding you there? Yeah. So generally, I also apply for publications to have my piece spread out instead of just on my Instagram feed because uh, Instagram is, is heavily, heavily clouded with a lot of things going on not just artistically but everything goes on there and so i reach out to magazines and let them know i'm, I'm working on a new series if they want to take it on then they're more than welcome to and we talk about that there are certain galleries that I apply for to be represented or to be a part of a group show or a solo show and uh locally here in vancouver i try to meet as many creatives as i can to first of all check myself and see if my conceptual theories are just insane or if it rings true <laughs> to the to the mass um but yeah to also 
start a community here. It's, it's a very young scene in Vancouver. It's um, more like a town compared to Toronto and New York and London. So I, I really want to start a group of creatives that just want to push boundaries and challenge not just ourselves, but challenge the locals and the public to, to see art in a different light. You know, as somebody um, that has clearly done well digitally, many of your efforts are actually analog efforts, mm-hmm. meeting in person, um, getting together groups, print magazines and actual galleries are places where you're, where you're reaching out, where you're making efforts. Mm-hmm. Do you find that, you know, especially during COVID times, um, has that really stopped for you? Has that, uh, has, has COVID really played a, a big role in hurting you or have you been able to uh, get over that because of social media and the online stuff? Uh, for me, I try to take as much advantage of the situation. So digitally, it, it's been growing, which is good because people are home, and they're, you know, they're sitting in, on Instagram. Outside, I also had a uh, experimental exhibition here in Vancouver. And it was interesting because it was the concept of uh, Nietzsche's will to power and uh, stoicism and seeing whether the individual would turn to the orderly or the chaotic frame of mind. And it was especially complimentary during this pandemic because everyone's there, they lost the ability to go out and drink and meet friends and go do all these activities and now it's gone. So they were able to go to the show and, and uh, I was able to assess, especially the locals mindset. And it was really interesting to do that. And I couldn't have done that if without the pandemic, in a sense, it wouldn't have been such a, a strong effect. So I, I just really try to take advantage of and adapt to every situation. You know, in the business world, in many other spheres, and mostly in the art world, in the theater world, the, the, the music world, everybody is telling everybody to go online. That's where you can get free publicity. That's where you can <laughs> get on social. That's where you can get in touch with people. And yet I, you know, everything you're telling me is you're going into galleries, you're going into print magazines, you're, you're fine. You know, you're going uh, even across seas in order to, to show your stuff. Why are you swimming upstream or for that matter, going against the current that everyone else is and how is it working for you? Because Going against the stream may be challenging and difficult at first, and it may be a lonely road. But once you succeed, it's so rewarding in that sense because everyone else is doing one thing, whereas you're doing the other. So it can uh, gain and attract attention quicker that way. And yeah, I, I just really appreciate the analog form of all mediums. And I think that's because I started playing, I was a huge band geek in high school. So actually playing an instrument physically rather than playing it on a computer, um, it really uh, vibed with me. So that when I'm painting an extension of myself going onto the paintbrush and making the colors work or cutting the piece or stamping something to make a print, I really appreciate the physical form of creating. How do you find a balance between and I think the answer is you don't have any balance or boundaries because if you're up at five and you're on Instagram and you're doing, you know, anywhere from three to 400 pieces in a day. But do you find that you can find some balance? What happens if you want to go out with buddies? You want to, you want to go see a movie? You want to flip on Netflix? Yeah. Are you able to flip it on and off and, and, and find time to work, 
time to do the business and time to, to just relax and, you know, just kick back? Yeah. Uh, that's an interesting thing. I realized that, um, whatever I'm creating, I have this sort of, um, I'm not sure if you heard of something called a flow state. It's where the subconscious brings forth so that your consciousness is lessened and that you could stay in the subconsciousness. Um, so you're aware of what's happening, but it's also very loose. Um, so whatever form that you're making or line or gesture, it's not as intentional uh, consciously. So it really helps me stay in that mode when I'm making things. Um, so Is that like when you're driving home and you don't remember <laughs> how you got home? Yeah, exactly. 100%. Because <laughs> that happens to me yeah. and freaks me out every time. <laughs> yeah, you're in the flow state. <laughs> and it's peaceful and it's, it's nice, right? So in a sense, I am chilling when I create. As well as like when I'm hanging with people, it's usually creatives or people who want to create things. Uh, I try to hang out with them more so that uh, whatever questions they have, I, I want to answer all of them. Do you have a sense of, of, of competition between artists, other creators, or is it more camaraderie? As, as a whole, there definitely is a sense of competition. Uh, for me personally, I don't see the competition. Um, I think it's because I just, I have this ADD of exploring all types of mediums. So I don't know what my competition is. <laughs> <laughs> And I just try to mix everything into one. Uh, so from, from my standpoint, I love talking and uh, teaching and learning too. I'm always learning. So it's more of a commodity for me. Yeah. What keeps you motivated? I know you love to learn, but what keeps you learning? I mean, you're good at what you do. You're making a lot. You're selling a lot. You're well-regarded. You're getting coverage. Is it just uh, the balls rolling downhill or... Is there something else that keeps driving you? The number one motivation, that's, see, I, I, for me, I think motivation is a dangerous word. It's, it's as dangerous as the word potential. Because I used to think back and go, okay, I need to make this piece because I'm motivated by a certain something. And that usually didn't pan out right. Because if the piece turned out terrible, I would lose all sense of, positivity, motivation, and the drive to make more. So what I really have to stress is, is really disciplining yourself. Even though that you can make five uh, really bad work that day, it's okay. It's, it, it's all an experiment. It's a form of experimentation. So you can make another five and one can be really good. And that could definitely be a form of motivation for certain people. And especially for me, when I look at something great, I'm like, yes, this is what I've been trying to make. But it's, it's really in, in the discipline that has led me to where I am now. I hear that a lot from writers is that the idea is to, is to write every day mm. and to get it out. Don't edit it while you're writing it. Don't think about it while you're writing it. And perhaps this is, is similar to flow, but the idea is to just get words going onto the page, onto the screen, get them out, get them out, get them out, figure out if it's any good later, figure out if you're saying anything important after the fact. Uh, and that repetition, it's like flexing a muscle. It's, 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 yeah. it's picking up a weight and putting it down. Mm -hmm. And if you only do it when you're inspired, mm -hmm. you're probably going to hurt yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's like shooting <laughs> mentally yourself. or yeah. physically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Cause if you don't have the motivation, then you're not going to make anything. And if you're not inspired, then you might as well not make anything. And that's, that's a dangerous path. 
So even though you're not motivated and stuff, just do something. So what kind of advice would you give to somebody who's looking to start into their own art practice? To, to realize and to know that it's this form, this medium, it's not a quick fix. <laughs> sometimes it will be. Sometimes you'll make something amazing uh, the first try and you go, holy, this is great. Uh, but it's a long, treacherous road. And like all these oil paintings I have, I'm not waiting to, uh, yeah, I'm not really waiting for them to sell immediately at 20,000. I'm, I'm holding on to them for years, uh, even after I'm dead, who knows? So keeping that long-term mindset really helps at least for new people to stay in the positive side of making. So where can people find out more about you? Yeah, uh, I only have Instagram. So it's k.clee, K-D-O-T-C-L-E-E. If you have any questions, shoot me a message. I usually reply within a day. Right on. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing with us how you make a living. Yeah, thank you. Subscribe to Making a Living Show on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts. For more on the show, visit makingalivingshow.com and follow along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Making a Living Show is produced by Next Exit Media and hosted by me, Roby Levy. Thanks for listening.